literally sent me your training day video, like maybe three or four days before Maria told me about you. It was so crazy because then I, I had looked at the video. I'll tell this on, I'll tell this live, but it just blew my mind how that happened. And so I was, I was like, okay, Dr. Charnel needs to be on here with me asking you questions and we'll have fun. There's so much, there's so much here that like, maybe we could do too. We'll see how it goes and totally up to you. But there's right. a lot, your life is fascinating. My gosh, like there's so much here. I've watched all your videos and I just think that you radiate just beauty. It's mm -hmm. awesome. All right. Mm -hmm. So, um, make sure my volume's down so I don't have reverb. Go live on YouTube. Dr. Charnel, you can hit live, but I think you already did. And then I'm hitting live and we're rolling. That was very quick. I am here with Ruben Polymars. Did I say your name right? Yes, he did. Okay, good. And Dr. Charnel, who I've had on the show before, um, she is here for like total serendipity. It's just awesome. So I have to tell everyone this story before we get rolling. Dr. Charnel sends me this video and it's like this real life training day. So anyone that doesn't know what training day is, training day is the Denzel Washington movie that is just amazing and yet creepy uh, about um, a, a officer that gets caught up in this web. It's almost like a very, very deep demonic web of darkness of, um, of this one officer who'd gone down the wrong road and how in one day he goes from being a really, really, really good guy to being set up and bribed and abused. And it's just nuts. Well, Ruben's life literally parallels this. And I, I never even really got to why Dr. Charnel sent it to me. But what's so wild is I watched three minutes of it got interrupted and then a couple days later maria farmer goes oh my gosh you've got to meet this guy ruben and i was like oh send me information so she sends me the same video i don't even recognize it because i look at so many videos per day and i look and i was like i've already watched three minutes of this video who sent me this video someone just sent me this video so anyway i'm so excited to have you both here um and so i'm going to start with Dr. Charnel, though, and then we'll we'll go into Ruben because you're going to be the highlight of the day. Um, Dr. Charnel, why did you send me this video? <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> Honestly, just totally fascinated. Um, someone had sent it to me, and of course, I did watch the actual movie. And you know, I'm all about good good stories, good you know people coming out and explaining what's going on, and looking always for you know, actual content for my show. And I, this is just so intriguing for me. And I, like you, I, I watched the first three minutes and I was like, holy cow, you know? So I immediately was like, I got to send this to you because what do you think? What do you think? You know, and just getting your feedback because I, I truly love you and adore you. And I, oh. I can't believe you got him to come. I'm, I'm so excited, Ruben. Thank you for taking time to be with us today. And I can't wait. I'm just ready to dive in and see what, what all we're going to talk about. This is going to be awesome. Yay. Well, and what's so well, funny is you. I didn't get him first. Maria sent him. God sent him. <laughs> Maria yeah. Farmer is like, oh my gosh, Carmen, the nicest man. You've got to meet him. You've got to meet him. 
And so, um, so thank you, Maria Farmer, for sending this amazing man to both Dr. Charnel and I, and hopefully you'll visit Dr. Charnel's um, channel as well, because your story is so amazing. And, and one of the things that I, I want to start with is I get so much criticism from the very Pollyanna type people, nothing wrong with them. I used to be a very Pollyanna person, but what happens I think with Pollyanna people is they're not trained to know who the enemy is. And I'm not saying to dive so deep in that the enemy becomes worshiped, but let's at least know the enemy because then innocent people don't get taken in. Because when I heard your story, I was like, I so see how he got sucked in by street justice. Yes. And so let's start from the very, very beginning. I wanna, if we have to, let's, we'll do a part two with you. Cause I really think that this is such a, an important piece because so many beautiful, naive, and I'm not saying you're naive, but the, the, in the spirit, you know, that beautiful, naive, loving spirit gets sometimes, you know, taken away. Oh, he's in an area with, oh, there he goes. They come back? <laughs> yep, yeah, there okay. you are. So let's start with your childhood, because I would like to know, um, you know, kind of, usually what happens is people, people get in the situations they end up in because of their childhood. So. If there's anything relevant back there, I would love for you to share that piece. I did grow up in LA and I grew up in an environment where there's a lot of, I guess, drugs, violence, gangs, uh, negativity. And I steered free from all that because I knew that that's not something I wanted to be involved in. And I know the the future when you get involved stuff with, with, with that kind of stuff. But I also grew up in a home where I had a stepdad who he had an, a drinking problem. He was angry, always violent. And the violence and the anger, he took that on me a lot. So it caused me to become an angry kid too. Well, mm -hmm. um, I pretty much didn't like, I got bullied by him in a sense. I allowed the bullying yeah. because I thought it was my, my, I didn't know he was my stepdad. He's my dad. I guess he, he wants to correct me. I think that's the way he thinks he has to do it. But it still was causing me to become a hardy little kid. And I didn't put up with nonsense in the street with people because I couldn't take any type of disrespect growing up because of that, that right. was a trigger of mine. Yeah. So I always st stood up for myself. I always would stand up and fight or go after the bullies and not let bullies take, take advantage of other people in school. So I had that attitude, like uh, nobody's going to be punking me around or bullying me. Yeah. And if you, if you can, can you just clean the lens on your phone? Cause I think it got it's, humid or something. It's because so, I have to get out, get out of the rain. That's why I'm outside of the rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be good. And so, um, so yeah, that's a typical, that's a typical profile of somebody who, um, who begins to become a fighter. A lot of my guys, um, he just jumped up, but we'll keep talking. A lot of the guys that I worked with out of jail, um, they, we're very big into that respect thing. And, um, and it's funny because it was almost a trigger point, you know, like, well, that isn't even respect. I'm just talking about being nice, <laughs> you know, like it, the, let's, let's just break it down a little bit more. But so I, I've watched a lot of his videos and until he comes back, I'll share with people that, you know, his, his, his stepfather no. never really, there he is. Yay. Um, his stepfather really wasn't there for him. And then he now has to be there for himself. He has to be that fighter, so to speak. 
And then what happened to you as far as, uh, you know, going from kind of neglected by, by your, your family and then how did you cope with that? Well, growing up, I, I always was the distance from my family because I had ten brothers and sisters, and uh-huh. I always felt like I was a, I was a big brother and the protector of my brothers and sisters. So I've never felt like uh, I felt like I had to take my dad's place. Yeah, so I, I had to take my dad's place because he was. I can't hear you. If you can hear me, Ruben, I can't hear you. We had you up until a second ago. And you know what, Ruben, if you can hear me, um, you can just leave the camera off and just let all of the power go to the audio. So that way we can hear you. The most important thing is that we can hear you. If he can hear me. I'm going to text him real quick. Dr. Chernell, you want to add anything that you know about him so that people aren't just sitting here? Oh, now I lost you too. Okay, I'm here. Oh, yeah, I would oh, just there you are. Okay. encourage people <laughs> to um, check him out and to look at some of his um, information. Oh, he accidentally muted himself. That's what happened. Uh, okay. We're going to fix this. Oh, there you go. You got it, Ruben. Okay, so you know, oh, he had it for a second. Oh, all right. So um, I'm going to tell him just to get on audio. Don't worry about it. Sorry, everyone. Sometimes this is just what happens. Um, it's it's going to be worth the wait. It's so it's so fascinating to me, his story. And it's such a typical story of you know, how, how I think the spiritual world operates, you know, um, kids or, or parents or uncles or people will teach people how to protect themselves in the natural, you know, like, don't let somebody punk you, you know, stand up to bullies, da, da, da. But nobody ever tells somebody, well, I mean, I shouldn't say nobody, but most people don't share with their children what being punked in the spirit is, right? And being punked in the spirit can destroy your life. It can put you in jail. It can put you in a grave. It can, you know, it's really amazing. Yay, he's back. back. Okay, this is perfect. Just do this where we just have you audio um, because I think that's gonna work better. Um, So I was just sharing with people that you were, you know, kids are taught not to be bullied, but they're never taught not to be or not never i hate when i do that but they're they're usually not taught that there can be spiritual bullies that there's there's demonic you know portals and and ways of opening that up and so let's go from where you were protecting your family what and you how did that turn into um boxing and then where where did boxing turn into police officer? So because I grew up in an environment where people like to you, you use that word earlier respect or disrespect to they they don't respect in some area where you grow up there's gonna be people trying to push your buttons or or you know see how far they can get over you and I grew up in an environment where I fought a lot I always had to fight because I stood up for myself I didn't uh, agree with people trying to disrespect me or or you know take advantage of someone so. I knew that if I wanted to 
take care of myself. I needed to learn how to fight. So I started doing karate at 10. And then the next thing, you know, I, I started liking, I was more like intrigued with boxing. So I went to the box, uh, Hollenbeck Houston in Boyle Heights, East LA. And I joined the boxing gym there. I started liking the, the art itself. I started liking the, just to get the art itself of learning how to defend yourself and how to, how to block punches, how to punch. And then it felt good hitting somebody not getting in trouble. It started helping me. <laughs> it started helping me. I guess you could say release a lot of frustration or, or anger. And it was good. So I started directing that towards the boxing and became more passionate for the sport. And I started really, really, really liking the art a lot where I started pursuing the, uh, to go to the Olympics. Yeah, you were really good. So you also were Golden Gloves um, champion in like 1985, 1986. Is that correct? 86. Yeah, I went. I fought the Golden Gloves. 85 and 86, I fought the Golden Gloves. I fought Diamond Belt tournaments. I won some big tournaments, but then um, my passion was to go to the Olympics. That's what I really wanted to do. In 92, and I was in the boxing team, and we could, I sparred with De La Jolla, Shane Mosey. Those guys were all boxing and coming up at the same time. So we We'd spar together, train together. I ended up getting injury, injured before the 92 Olympics, which is a tournament. It was the box office were like in 91. I need to fight this tournament before I could go to the trials. I got, I broke my thumb and I got um, a year, year and throat infection. So I was, I was, I was down and I couldn't fight that tournament, which was going to exclude me out of the team. Right, which was a bummer. Right. A bummer. Yeah, no, that's a huge bummer. It was like, um, hard. Go ahead, sorry. No, you're good. I there's a, a little delay, so I was I thought you were done too. Um, I was going to say it's very similar to a lot of NFL players or you know any type of professional athlete when it ends. It's um they grieve that. It's a big deal. For, for sure, and, and that's what happened to me. But I I had a game plan. I had a plan B because I thought. Even in my boxing career, I thought if I get the gold, I turn pro, I can get a championship, retire, and still work with kids and be a mentor and be a cop. Well, since I didn't go to the Olympics, I just said, you know, I'm not going to get too, too caught up with the boxing right now because I'm not trying to um, invest more time into it and then get injured, stay injured, and then who's going to take care of my bills? How are they gonna, nobody's going to take care of me. So my next step was to go to the police academy and take the test. Right. I, took my first test and I passed it. And then from there, I went to the next step. I just kept taking every step that every test I came along to, I got to the, the background check and uh, about 11 months later, I get hired by the police department. Congratulations. And, and then you, thanks. you were young, you were like 22 years old and you immediately went into like that 21 jump street type job where you were, you were posing as a high school student, right? Yes, I was, I was, put back into 11th grade at 22, 23 years old. I looked young and I had to fit the role. I had to dress the, the role. I had to talk the role. It was, it was like an acting job. I had to become an actor and uh, yeah. fit in. I had to fit in. I had to uh, interact with the kids and get to know who's gay, who's using drugs or selling drugs or smoking pot. So I could get to start buying drugs. My, my job was to find out where they're getting the drugs from, who's supplying them with the drugs. It's just a, a undercover unit that, I mean, I think back to it now, I, I think sometimes those units are more a waste of money and time and, and tax dollars because you're putting yourself out there, risking your life for some little simple arrest of a misdemeanor for a kid. You're really risking your life for something that's, I don't really think it's worth it. 
I agree with you. Um, and, and you know, what's interesting too. So my, my daughter and some of the, some of the guys out of jail, I got them involved in acting and there's a thing called method acting where you literally become the person and you're taking that to another level. And, and I've seen, I personally believe there's people who have died from choosing to play this role. And so it's a very dangerous thing that they're, you know, that they're asking a 22 year old brand new cop to, to get involved in, in my personal opinion. Um, and so, so you were very successful there, right? And so then they're like, okay, this guy is really amazing. Where do you go next? So after that unit, I I went back to, well, I was still in the unit for a couple months. I did my undercover buys. I don't know if I told you, you know, they got in the first shootout doing undercover. Okay, let's shot. talk about that because yes, I was like, okay, um, this happened in a phone booth, which I think is so 80s or 90s of you. <laughs> Very 90s back then, yeah. Early 90s. Right, because <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't have phones, we had pagers and, and so... Um, Tell everybody what happened, what your first shooting, how old were you and what happened in this phone booth? I was 23. Um, I was going to call one of the kids. I was going to sell me some PCP. Uh, I was going to call, he paged me. So I was going to call him on the, on the payphone. Yes, you need money to use those payphones. <laughs> and um, I called him up and we, we arranged it so that he can take the drugs to school the next day, which was going to be $80 worth of PCP. So after we set up the, the deal, during that time on the phone with him, that's when I get approached by two guys that are walking down the street. One guy puts a gun to my stomach mm. and starts demanding my wallet. I have a gun and I have my wallet in my back pocket, but it's got my badge and my police ID. So I already knew that if I get him, let him get close to my stuff, he's going to find it. He's still going to probably shoot me. So my whole game plan was don't let him get to my back pocket or my real waistband because that's where I have my gun. But the guy kept jabbing me with his gun to my stomach and the other guy was to my left going to my front pockets. And the more they insisted for my wallet, the more I tried to distract him and tell him, I don't have a wallet, but you can have my car keys. You can have money, whatever you want, but I don't have a wallet. And the guy kept getting pushed and insisting and telling me, you better give me a wallet. I'm going to kill you. And I just kept saying, well, I don't have a wallet. And I said, well, my car is here. Take my car keys. At that point in time, I realized the guy was being stubborn. He didn't want to take no. I hit his friend, uh, a backhanded his friend, and I grabbed the guy's gun. As I grabbed the guy, he's gonna turn it to him, the barrel, but he's got both hands on the, on the, on the grip. So I'm trying to fight for the gun with one hand, and I'm trying to, I would go to the ground, we fall. I'm trying to block the other guy's kicks with my other hand. So as we're doing that, the guy's able to pull the gun away from me with both of his hands, and he stands over me with the gun pointed towards my head. As I, as I see that, instant reaction was to grab his friend's leg and throw him over me and use him as a shield. As I stood up. He starts firing at me and he hits both of my legs. I turn around and fire at him and hit him. I chase him and shoot him. But at that time, everything just kicked in. The adrenaline was kicking in. The, the I'm going to kill you attitude kicked in. I mean, yeah, I got hit, but I wasn't thinking about being shot. I thought about, I'm not going to let this guy get away with it. And I didn't, my, my wounds, I saw the bullets go right through my leg because everything got so slow. I could see the must, the barrel flash, the flash of the gun as a bullet comes out of his barrel. And I could see it coming towards my leg and I see everything slow. So I, I see it go through my leg. And I'm, all I'm saying is, you mother FF, because, you know, I wasn't a Christian back then. I was just cussing up the storm. <laughs> so all I can think about is everything is so slow. I pull my gun out and I just start firing at him. As I'm firing at him, I can see the bullets hitting him. Um, but the guy doesn't go down. They turn a corner. And their driver picks him up and takes him to the hospital. I act on the phone. and call him. 
and they show up and they treat me. They throw in the, the ambulance, they check my legs, and then comes through and through right leg and left leg, two different bullets. And, and the beauty of this bullet wounds, they were, I believe they're perfectly placed because they didn't hit no femur artery, they hit no bone, they didn't damage no nerve, they just hit the muscles and it could have been worse. But I, I know God was looking out for me even though I wasn't serving him back then, but he protected me because those bullets could have hit me anywhere else. And I was able to recover. Uh, physically, I recovered fast. Now, in most psychology, I didn't know what was uh, going to happen because of that shooting. A lot of stuff started happening to me inside. You know, mostly psychologically, it started messing with me a lot. A lot. And, but that's during the time when nobody talks about um, PTSD doesn't exist. The word doesn't exist. The trauma exists. You know, the shell shock. Right. All that stuff I don't talk about, but nobody, nobody talks about it because you're a tough guy. You're supposed to be tough, macho suppress and be the guy that everybody looks up to and and that's what i was i, I wasn't i you know the department gave me like a medal of valor for that shooting it kind of looked good in my packets i liked it i liked the ego i liked the image because people do respect you and men us men are about respect and i was already right. i was already i was already building a status for my career as a police officer as a as a gunslinger and i really liked that image back then yeah and so when um, when you started like holding that rage in or those those feelings or whatever it was that was in there, um, could you tell at all that you were you were having you know what we now call PTSD um, and just not telling anyone, or were you just acting out as like I'm I'm I've got this valor I'm the I'm the hero, or maybe um, both. I think it was a little bit of both, but nobody knew I was right. uh, hiding that stuff. But I had this, this, I became tougher and hardened, more, more alert, more like uh, survival tactics as a tactical cop, martial artist. I just pissed off that I got shot. And I thought to myself, I let myself, I dropped the guard. I should have been more aware and more alert. I started condemning myself for what happened, which I should have been thankful that I survived it. And thank God, but I wasn't thankful. I was more mad that I didn't do more or or catch it before it happened so yeah that started tormenting me but it became it caused me to want to get involved in more shootings like i had a trigger an adrenaline and uh, i wanted that fix i needed that fix so it was something i was chasing so as a i left that unit and i, I got i went to rampart uh, rampart division rampart division is a small eight mile area of nothing but gangs from all over the place, from every every corner, there's gangs and drugs and and, and uh, violence, extortions, mm -hmm. robberies, rapes, you name it, murders. They're, they're, that's all you see there. And I worked that division. I want that division because I wanted to be in the action, and I eventually wanted to promote to SWAT. So my goal was, I got to be in the busy division so I could be recognized and get promoted to SWAT when it's time to get promoted. So yeah, I went to Rampart Crash. Uh, no, I was so Rampart Chanel. First. Jump in anytime you have questions too. So I don't want to yes. like take over <laughs> yeah no i'm just amazed because i'm thinking about what i was doing at 22 and i'm like to imagine the amount of quick decisions and you know reflex with you know wisdom and really important uh decision making for such i mean really huge life-threatening situations i mean that is a lot to put on a, a person and you know, I mean, and just scary, not to mention scary, um, you know, 
I mean, anyway, kudos to you. Keep going, please. Yeah. And then Thank the other you. thing that I would love to interject too is um, just for everyone, just anyone that's listening, because I know that there's a few Navy SEALs that I work with that um, it's not Michael Jacob, but he he does stop in here too, but they, they watch. And um, anytime anyone feels any torment, I, I love that you use that word because it truly is so indicative of the signature of the enemy. Um, anytime you're feeling torment of any kind, that's when you need to begin taking better care of yourself, figuring out where you are mentally and emotionally and, um, and all that. And so this is where the, the, this is where you get named the real life training day. Um, anyone who has not seen that movie, it's an excellent movie. I think you would love it. I highly recommend it. Um, but, but to understand the, the place that he's been put in, it's literally like saying here, I'm going to take you man of valor and I'm going to put you in Satan's ley line. That's the most intense ley line in all of the LA area, right? Yes, true. So tell us a little bit about like the average stuff, like they don't have to be your experiences, but what are some of the things that go on there? And uh, as a side note, I would love for you to be looking at it from a like witchcraft, um, satanic, demonic level of an assessment, looking at it hindsight. Okay, well, good point, because that's there all the time. There's a MS-13 and 18th Street are big gangs there, and they do work with witches. They have witches who do curses and spells and do all that stuff for people there. And they're territorial spirits too in that area. But, you know, when I wasn't uh, in tune to the spiritual stuff back then, I was more like just uh, gunslinger, violence, uh, putting down the guys, the bad guys. Well, in that area, there's a lot of extortions. Uh, people that own their little businesses trying to make them, little living the gang members extort them uh drug dealers that sell drugs in that area that aren't from the gang they get extorted they have to pay rent um their little corn vendors they get extorted if you guys sell ice cream in the block you get extorted you're going to pay rent you're going to pay 30 percent to the gang's uh protection for whatever the case may be in the parks in that area corners in that area selling they used to sell a lot of in every corner you had one corner had cocaine the other corner had heroin the other corner had rock cocaine their corner had weed, you name it. Every corner had different drugs from, and every neighborhood was running their own program. But then there was killings every day. Uh, no, no, nothing new. You go to, you go to work, you're going to hear drive-by shootings. You're going to see dead bodies. It was a normal thing for me in the nineties. It was wars, gang wars was, was ongoing every day. So you're always going to be in pursuit of a shooting or you're going to pick up, you're going to go arrest somebody that just killed somebody because of the drive-by or, or, an innocent bystander got killed and you and you were there, you arrested the gang member. That was normal for us. We could be driving, we hear bullet bullet gun, uh, gunshots. We drive through, we see a guy on the floor bleeding out. We can't stop. We got to go chase the guy that just shot him. And we got to call for help on that guy. And we're just chasing the car that just shot him. And we're seeing guns being thrown out the window. And the pur pursuit is on. We don't know if they're going to shoot at us. And it just uh, adrenaline. It was excitement. It was For me, I, I enjoyed that stuff. I, I liked the, the rush of it. But again, like you said, uh, the torment is there, but you're going to try to reverse it to use it to your advantage. The, the inner monster, the inner push of the, uh, the adrenaline, the courage, the bravery comes out. You, you, you're, you're kind of pushed through any, any time of hesitation or fear. You push right through it, and you lose it. You lose that fear of death. You lose that fear of shootings. 
you just lose it. You just you're you're in it like you you just jump in head first because that's what you that's what you need. That's what you think you need. That you're trying to give that give yourself that fix. Wow. And so, yeah, you're you're not the first person that I've heard about the MS 13s and how they have witches and how they they use them to um, to get certain things accomplished. Um, which is so frightening to me. Go ahead and pop in here, Sean. Well, I want to know more about that because this is the first time I'm hearing that. So can you expand on that a little bit? Like, do they meet up? Are they on the phone? Yeah. Like what, like, do they, they meet, meet up. up with you? Like, what does that even look like? The, the witches? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So they have the botanic, botanic, botanic booth, uh, in the streets right there in that area. And they have a witch working there. So these guys will go in there and they'll. Did you say a booth? Like botanical a, booth. Bo they call them botanical booth, but it's a store. It's a little store. Oh, okay. So okay. they go in, the, the gang members go in there and they tell them, I need you to do a curse for this person for whatever. Mm -hmm. If it's, if a person's going to go to court on me, I want you to put a curse on this person. So they go through this ritual to put a curse on the person or this person is, uh, doing stuff that we want to find out what's going on. They, they go to the witches, but then the witches also curse cops because uh, a witch, unbeknown to me, I found that out afterwards. When I was working the gang unit, this lady who was a witch, I had no idea she was a witch then. She gave me, cops like the St. Michael's uh, um, angel. They all have the, yes. the little emblem. They have the, the chain. They have the, um, the prayer, the tattoo of St. Michael because they say that's the, the, the cop guardian angel that's what we, we we think right well this lady knew that so she gave me a stack of saint michael's cards but they were cursed i didn't know they were cursed yep so be I, careful about I, that I, that there's two things there that i wanted to share with people this is legitimately happening on our streets in what looks like a flower shop right mm -hmm. um and and what's the the second thing and this is something that jesse has taught all of us when people give you a gift pray over it and make sure that whatever is on it is off of it yes. or just just be careful who you accept gifts from you know make sure that they're someone you love don't take it yep yeah because they are they are doing that they do that in other countries too when you show up as a as a missionary or someone's going to go to another country to go help or preach or, or whatever you're going to do out there and they might send this nice little kid or old lady to give a gift. It's a cursed gift and, and you're going to go home with it. You're going to bring a demon to your house. And now the demon yep. is going to harass your relationship. If things are going to happen, you're going to have to break it, renounce it and repent yep. of it. Yes. But, yeah. And the great news is, is we win because Christ um, covers that, but I just want people right. to be aware of it. So, so I also would love for you to share how prevalent this is. Let's say, there's how many gang members are usually in a gang? Is it 20? Is it 50? Oh, I mean, no. how many? Two. Uh, the numbers are, are you can never name them because every number, every gang has no number, a, a big amount of numbers. Some could have a thousand, eight hundred, three hundred, a hundred, two hundred, depending on the gang and the area. And they're, they're also clicks. So if you have an MS or 18th Street, they have their gang has, yes, yeah, something like a tree with branches. So yeah. you have you have them all over the place and they're spread out. They could have. 51 block, they can have a. Oh, lost you for a second. They're, they're all over the place. They're, oh, there you are. They're big numbers. Okay, so this is so fascinating to me. So then let's say, do you think each one of them is into witchcraft? For the most part, I would give it 85% uh, of them are. 
because even the cartels. This, yeah. Think about how, how prevalent this is, guys. I really want this to like, this is in our country. This is in our cities. This is in our suburbs. So, so let's say there's a thousand, all of them are referring to, or 80%, if it's according to him, 85% of them have their go-to witch. <laughs> yes. And so, so this is really, really, really prevalent. Um, and they are cursing people. And there's, there's a former pastor that um, you can look for. Um, shoot, I forgot his name though. But if you look up former pastor, uh, demonic general, you probably find him. And he was the one that kind of opened my eyes to this. But think about how many witches that is to to work in this system and it's basically you know ruben they should have said, they should have said um in the uh, job description looking for young man <laughs> with an innocent beautiful heart who Aww. was just looking for love that's talented in a lot of areas of uh, boxing and and you know uh protective things to go to hell literally you yeah. were working in hell on earth yes i was would would you have taken that job if you'd have known up front if if i knew that that was going to happen i mean no I if mean, you knew how evil it was that like it, that you were literally being going to be put into this eight mile like fertile ground for hell right now as a non-christian i would have believed in all that stuff i would have said i don't care i got my 45 i'm here i'm gonna shoot it out with whoever but we that's as a so believer, good that's so good that's true that's true as a believer i would have still got into as a believer to pray and cast out the spirits of that area fast and pray for that as a believer and i still would have did the job as a believer all right. i love but it not afraid of that stuff because i know who's got my back and my yeah. authority i know my authority too so it would have been double authority the police authority and the authority that comes from Jesus, big authority. Yeah, you would have you would have really made a mark for sure. And so so now we'll go into what I call Satan's slide. So here we take this beautiful young man who's accomplished with valor. And then there's this slide that you went down. And the beginning of it is the PTSD, right? And then what comes next? So I, and again, I'm not going to blame anything. I'm going to take ownership of my own choices because when I did have stuff, if I was, I guess, I don't know, more humble, more, more wise, whatever, I would have probably got help. I didn't get help because I, I was too either scared to ask for help or thinking that's not the right thing. Men don't get help. Just too many different dumb lies in my head that were circling in my mind that wouldn't allow me to take that step to believe that I needed help. So I just, acted out on whatever was was in, going on inside me. So when I was dealing with the PTSD, I was also dealing with a lot of anger, unforgiveness, resentment, and, and uh, you could say re re retaliation. I, I was very, very revengeful. So if, if anybody did me, did me dirty or I felt that betrayed me, I would always have to get back at them, get even. Or no, not get, get even, get above even, past even. Not, not an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. It was more than that, beyond that. So as an officer, when I started thinking that the department personnel, the management, sometimes they'll do certain things that upsets you and you start holding it against them. So for me, I was looking at them as my enemies. My, my management became my enemies too. Management, 
and the streets gangs were my enemies now. So I was like, well, forget all everybody. This this is not going to be, I'm not going to be able to do my job the way I want to. Management is trying to control me how to do my job when I'm the one that's getting myself shot or shooting, getting myself dirty because of this, this the stuff I'm involved in. I, I have to do my job my way to, to survive. And through the course of time, one of my our co-workers got in trouble. Rafael Perez got in trouble for stealing some cocaine from the property Evans locker. Yeah, but know. let's 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 hold on because isn't he the actual one that Denzel Washington's character was modeled after? Yes and no, because oh, that okay. unit that unit is uh, that unit that Denzel Washington portrays. Uh, I worked that unit. He worked that unit. That unit is also a, an undercover narcotics unit. I worked that unit too for six oh, months. Okay. And so, so did Perez. It's a unit that's been you you get loaned out to the unit to work it for a few months. And your job is to also go do undercover work, but you're doing just like the movie. You're hitting informants up. You're hitting houses where the drugs are, are being sold. You're, you're, you're addressing all the narcotics complaints from the area. Yeah. But, and is it true that they actually really have like a certain ring that they wear or a certain ink that they have like tattoos? The tattoos Or is that true. just from the movie? No, the tattoo is true. That stuff is real. That happens. It's a it's okay. a structured elite unit that's pretty much um, you could say very coveted, coveted and and secret. What are the tattoos? It's what? a skeleton with a with the number two on the hat, and then it's it's got a um, the cards, the dead man's hand cards, aces of the aces and eights, because the dead man's hand is the story of Wild Bill Hickok. Because what? It's the story of Wild Bill Hickok. He was a gunslinger back in the, who knows what years, 1500s. Oh, because it's like a cowboy hat on the skull, right? Yeah, yes. I'll send you the, the, the little, um, I'll Google Picture. it, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Okay, so let me, cool. Let me, let me do it right now while I could talk. So this is um, what they used to tattoo. And what it was is, When it's you got it, you got it when you got initiated into, if you, if you did something like you get in a shootout, pretty much um, you get the tattoo, okay. De depending on how, what happened in the shootout. Right. And right so now. it's almost like, it's almost literally like a secret so society within the department. Yes. So okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna send it now. Okay, cool thing. I got it right here. Yeah. And you can post it. So this is a tattoo. This was an emblem, but then people get tattoos out of that. Yeah. Um I think I just sent it to your uh to your text. Text message. Okay, perfect. And I'm just gonna be able to yeah. show people via the phone because um I like to keep my computer private. If I'd have known I was doing it, I would, but so there can you is. see that, Charnel? Uh, I was looking, oh yeah, 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 uh-huh. I was seeing if you Okay, were cool. Okay. So cool. that's, you get the tattoo after after something. Uh, it's like, a, you earned it basically, you earned the tattoo. Right. And so um, the, it says Rampart Crash, which is CRASH is an acronym, right, for yes. something. 
crime resources against street hoodlums something <laughs> crime resources against against street hoodlums wow. and then it looks like there's a couple of aces of spades yes which is um a freemason symbol i'm pretty sure hmm. well that's um, the, and the, oh sorry it's a dead man's no, hand symbol oh so, dead man's hand okay so while while bill hickok was a gunfighter and one day he was playing cards and somebody came from behind and shot him in the back of the head and he died with those cards in his hand got it if you google wow. uh, dead, if you google dead man's hand story on well bill it'll tell you a whole story Okay, thank you. I'm going to do that. I love learning stuff like this. It's so fun. So we're and done so, Yeah, and so so there's a there's a dark side to this um, inner circle, and it's kind of like once you've killed someone, once you've had gunfire, once whatever, it's kind of like your initiation into the crew. It's something to do with well, yeah. It's more like. You're not, and then it's, it's when it happens, it happens. When a shootout right. happens, you just got you just got into it. You were in the right place at the right time, and you know the guy tried to shoot you. You shot him. You 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 made the you survived the shooting. It's like basically saying, "Great job, you survived it." Right, right. And Using the the dead man as an example. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> well, now you're a gun. Well, now you're a gunslinger. Yeah, right. You're basically, as Got a gunfighter, and, and you have that frame of mind, the macho gunslinger mentality, because that's like a cowboy days. So that's the mentality you have, and and it seems that that's what really happened. Because in the area we worked, there was always so much violence that you knew that eventually it might happen again. You might get to the shootout. Oh, I can't imagine being. Did, did anyone ever get out of that job and not get shot at? Yeah, I've, I've actually not. met some that that survived. Oh, you most. have. Wow. But I think they were working the desk, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe their inner soul is very smart. Um, okay, that too, so, they were. so so la there's a couple more Denzel questions I have too. And Rafael Perez, um, when he was arrested, there were 70 other uh, officers also arrested or indicted, right? Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And then 58 of those ended up guilty, right? Wow. I can't recall right now how many okay. were guilty, but I know there were some that were and some sued the department and made the money. So it's a big old cluster because um, I didn't keep tabs on everybody, but I know that they did indict a few and arrested a few. Some did time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which is, yeah, that's just another thing. Um, is there a swagger? So like, you know how there's certain jobs that like people have swagger, like lifeguards think they're super cool because they are right. And then pilots, yeah. you know, they're really cool or, you know, military guys that, you know, do really, really cool things with helicopters and blah, blah, blah. Is there an arrogance? Um, because one of the, one of the scenes that stood out to me was when Denzel Washington is literally in the middle of an intersection having a conversation with this guy and he's got what you call that killer smile which i want to talk about that too but he's just yeah. literally in the middle of the intersection nobody can go anywhere and people are honking at him and he literally doesn't care is that the kind of bravado that you have to have to to be somebody that's in that world pretty much because you're dealing with the worst of the worst and you have to they have to know what your body is you're not uh, intimidated you're, you're you're ready for it too whenever you know when things have to happen you're ready for it. you're not afraid and 
they have to understand that too because they have to respect you. The, the neighborhood, the gangs, they have to respect you. Even if, if you're doing your job, you still have to know that you to have that respect from them. And you give them the same respect, but you also know that you have to call the shots, basically. Right. And you know that it's risky that they could try to snipe you, shoot you, but you have to understand that this is what you signed up for. Right. And is it true that, you know, how he says in the, he says in the movie, um, narc agents, mostly, uh, they have narcs in their blood, uh, or, you know, they have drugs in their blood. Is that a thing that like, they, they almost have to participate in drugs to, to do that? Uh, not all the time, but there's times where I'm going to say 90%, you might have to wow. participate and most likely, if you don't, you're gonna get either they're gonna make you, they're gonna make you're gonna be made as a, as a cop, or you're gonna shoot you, or something can happen. They're not gonna trust you. You're gonna be out of that. You're not gonna be able to buy drugs. So yeah, how, you might have to smoke some weed. Hmm? But some of the bigger um, drugs, like how do people not get addicted and what have you? I mean, I get that they, if you're put in that position, then you don't want to look like you're, you know, trying to get anyone in trouble or be a rat or maybe look suspicious, but I mean, can't that lead to other problems? <laughs> Obviously that could be. It, lead it to can, but your life's on the line. You're not going to care. You're going to think about your life because you're trying to infiltrate big. If you're trying to infiltrate big things like a, a biker gang or big cartel, whatever, if you're trying to really infiltrate, you have to just be that actor and lose your role as a human being because you're not going to be that. You're, you lose your identity as a cop. You become that person that you're supposed to be playing the role of, or else you're dead, or else don't even do that job. So why? It's a risk, but most of the time uh, you might be put in a spot where you might have to use some drugs. And uh, every undercover cop story is different. You get an interview. I have friends that are in DAs and different stuff. They, it's a risky job. Undercover work is a, it's a risky job. It really does mess with your identity. It messes with you because you lose. You have to become that person. How do you do? How do you do that if you have a family, like where you go to your job and then go home and like, yeah, that's a normal dad, husband. You know what I mean? Like that has got to be so like messed up in your head to have to. If any, I mean, are most of these people were you single, single? or were you married or did are people? You know what? What's the situation? Well, some people are single, some people are, are dating or married, but it does mess up. It does mess with your your home life. It does mess with your home life. Yeah. I was back then. I was married, and and um, I ended up separating and divorcing my 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 the mother, of my daughters, my son. But I think it was more so because just overall everything. I I think they have to be supportive, understanding too, because the job isn't something that is easy. Because especially if you're doing something that's putting your life on the line. Yeah, you're thinking about survival. So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of pros and cons. Well, and not to mention, kind of putting your family at risk if if anyone followed you or you went home and then yes, your a house, lot, a lot of that stuff. your kids. You know, there's so much, um, and then the secrecy of like not telling your wife what's happening, and you know, just having to live like literally a double life, right? Yeah. For real. You are, you're living a double life. And it's, that's why it's, it's really, I mean, sorry, but it sucks because I think, I don't think it's worth it. I you know, I agree with you. I, I agree. And I also don't, I, I think that there's got to be other ways <laughs> to do this. Like we're really going at it the wrong way, but 
Um, I so, agree. So another thing that I have a question about is the the Denzel Washington character and you being, uh, or or that movie and you, from your from your opinion, not other people's. Do you identify with that movie? I do in some parts. I, I mean, I really do in, in actually a lot of parts because I, I worked that unit. I worked that unit just like he did in the movie. I worked that unit for six months and that unit, I saw that movie and I said, man, that's the unit I worked. Exactly that same uh, role. You're dealing with the narcotics, your informants, and there's so much stuff, so much temptation and so much of everything. And the neighborhoods, the streets, you're working the streets, you're working the gangsters. It's You got informants in neighborhoods. You have informants as gang members who are your informants. But that's how you survive. That's your hustle. That's what you do. So, yeah, I could identify a lot with that movie. Yeah, I could imagine. Go ahead. Well, I'll, I mean, maybe this has already been talked about, but did, I was wondering how they even got the information to do this movie. Like, did they consult with, with you or other people, like, about to get inside information to even, was this based on specific people that you know, or you, or did it, you meet these people? I don't know. I honestly think that they talked to some of our guys because it's just too, too. Eerie. Yeah. Yeah. And he does, he does kind of look like the way they shape, the way they did Denzel and stuff. He kind of really favors that Raphael Perez. He does. He does, yeah. and I think they could have talked to Perez. He never, but Perez ain't gonna say nothing. But it could have been because Perez was also in that unit too. Wow, and this is just crazy. And so they also, there was one point in the movie where he howls like a wolf almost. Is that a thing? Is that a thing? Is there some sort of wolf thing with this? No, I think that's just uh, everybody that has their movie. own their model. Well, people say that you're to be a wolf, you gotta. Catch to catch a wolf, you gotta be a wolf. I don't really believe that uh, junk. I believe that to be to catch any type of prey, you have to be a hunter. And I'm a hunter. <laughs> I believe that a hunter can catch any prey out there. So that movie, that part must have been his his own little uh, line yeah. that he came up with. <laughs> yeah. And so, so your unit was different than his. And yeah. let's talk about like where it started slipping down. And it's so funny too, because right when I was gonna ask that, somebody in the chat wrote, not enough money to do that. <laughs> but no. let's talk about, let's talk about even before that happened, where the street justice really kicked in for you, because I think that was where you opened the portal a little bit more. A lot more, yes. Yeah, I was so... being gracious. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened is, so what happened was I started becoming real connected with a lot of it, the victim and citizens because I started getting uh, complaints from the victims that they got robbed by this individual from, an, from one of the gangs and another family member down the street got robbed at, at gunpoint and they're scared to press charges because they're intimidated and they're threatened that if they say something, they're going to get killed. So my street justice was, well, this guy's dirty wanted for robberies at gunpoint. Why not grab him and put some dope on him and get rid of him? Uh, so that's where my street justice started coming in. Okay, so it started out with putting dope on someone. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing. This is the thing that's just like, oh, it's heart wrenching when you're watching this movie because Ethan Hawks like starts out with this just he's so pure and beautiful and he wants to do it for the right reasons. And and the way that that um, Denzel 
switches up his personality too. how one minute he's smiling at him and the next yeah. minute like that smile doesn't look like he has that killer smile so so that's tell me in your mind what's a killer smile you have to be able to uh to me it's like it's what's in, you already know it's in you can see it in the eyes the smoke is the, it doesn't, anybody smoke but it's what you can see in the eyes of a person when they have that that kill look the killer look and yeah people know it people know when they see it yeah because you could be looking at them and if somebody took a picture it looked like they were happy and smiling but the way you're seeing it is i'm crazy in here and um, i want you to see that i'm crazy in here right and you're, and you're done you're a done deal <laughs> yeah yeah i could see where people would get off on that power yeah it is it's power yeah so it starts out with that then what was the next thing first you know i'm i'm gonna take care of this girl got raped i know who did it this is nowhere near as bad as what he did he deserves to be in jail right right okay, and it, so became, it, it just became an easy thing for me to get rid of the i would get complaints from the apartment manager that there's so much drugs and gang violence in the in their whole apartment complexes and they're selling drugs so i i do my little sting operation grab them put the dope on each one of them because they were i would observe it for like 30 minutes selling the drugs but then i know that if i approach they're going to run and throw the dope out so we just approach them put the dope on them and then just book them and get rid of them start getting rid of them and the apartments will start wiping down the apartments from all the other narcotics and gang activity right no, com no and, complaints and so are you are you comfortable sharing what percentage of the cops would do stuff like this and crash? If um, you're not, it's no big deal. It's not a big deal. Uh, it, back then, you're uh, you're working you're working with your partner, and you you and him are, are in cahoots with certain things. But right. every other every other officer every other there's 21 crash officers, so two officers are assigned to one gang, two officers are assigned to another gang, so they're doing their own thing. You know what they're doing. They're all doing their own, their own thing too. You're not involved in it, but you know that they're all they're all doing it too. Okay. So you would say all of them. Pretty much all of them during that time. Back then, it right. was all of them. Right, right, right. Well, maybe I mean, one. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm gonna recant that. There was one guy who was actually. I found out he was a Christian. He wasn't doing uh, any of that. I remember that guy too. He was against everything that we were we stood for, and I didn't understand him then. Well, you know, once I gave my life to the <laughs> Lord, I, I he stood firm and he didn't bend the rules. He wouldn't uh, beat nobody up. Right. He stood. Uh, he stood his ground, and I really now I, that I know all this, I was like, wow, that guy was actually serious about his walk. But we stayed away from him because we go, no, this guy's not uh, doing what we're doing. Let's stay away from yeah. him. Yeah, it's like somebody that stays a virgin before they get married. That's some yeah. serious. That's some serious faith right there. That's right. For real. All right, so what were you going to say, Sharna? I was just going to say, with all the strategy about the witches and, the, you know, getting curses specifically for people and cops, it seems like, I mean, and maybe there are, there is this organized side on the other side, but if there's not, I'm like, why are we not having like intercessory prayer groups and or churches that are, can be assigned to each cop or each fireman or each, each block or each... You That's know, a good idea. That, I always I mean, thought about that. It's like, I feel like, I mean, how many people even know? I'm, I'm like surprised and I've heard a lot about a lot of things, but this is, that part is surprising to me and it shouldn't be, but 
it seems like sometimes we're just sitting around singing kumbaya and like teaching bible stories while we're drinking kool-aid or whatever and they're out there like literally you know hard work in the street yeah so like yeah for sure if this is like a call for to action to anyone listening if you are involved in intercessory prayer of any kind to like start arming up some groups to get behind these guys who are doing some things to help you know clean up so good i love i agree with that i i want that i want that too because that's something i thought about when i was uh in prison all those years i thought about all the different ways we could make a difference through prayer and fasting yeah and how long were you in prison i did 16 years out of 18. Wow. And Ruben, so after you're, (laughs) you're the one putting half the people in jail. So was it, did you get put in gen pop and, and like have a lot of stuff to face when you got there? So I I did, um, the first three months I was in uh, isolation because my co-defendants told on me right away. So I'm glad that I went to isolation right away because that's how I met the the ex-house angel that read the Bible to me and introduced me to Jesus. That was the best part about that because I was suicidal I was at the point where not to kill myself but I was the kind Mm -hmm. of person that that I wanted to go out on a bang and I was going to shoot it out with everybody that told on me and I was going to till till I was killed whatever that was my mind my frame of mind when he preached the gospel to me that day he uh something happened within me that I started feeling like there was a real God and there was something better for me in life and and God was going to give me an opportunity for to, to get my life back or get it right actually get you know, it's yeah. so interesting about that. My The ones that I've worked with, um, with my um, charity, uh, One Heart, they literally were just like you. It almost happened when they first got into jail. Like somebody came and showed up that they, you know, from their church that, you know, they used to totally be so rude to that, you know, mm-hmm. one of the only people that show up, no one in their gang showed up, that they brought them a Bible. They were so thankful for it. And it just starts like from day one almost that's so cool how god's like right there I'm, for you i'm glad because he knew where i was going i was ready and uh <clears throat> that guy uh, read the scriptures to me and then i surrendered my life to the, to jesus during that time and then i got put in general population <clears throat> and i told i prayed i said look i'm gonna i want to be used by you wherever i'm at so i know that what i feel i feel forgiven i feel good about my forgiveness but i know i know that's not it that's not everything but I also want to be able to share this with other people in here. And I know yeah. your Bible, the scripture said, you're going to put my enemies at peace with me. And I believe you. Mm-hmm. So I walked out in general population and honestly, the, he did. He started putting my enemies at peace with me. I was honest with everybody. I tell the truth. And now and people either like me or they didn't. Either you want to try to beat me up or jump me or you're not. But it, it didn't matter to me. I was like, hey, I've been through worse. This is nothing. I, I was like, violence is my, my, uh, my, my drug. I said, this is something I like. So I'll try not to. I said, Father, help me not get involved in this violent stuff, but um, I want to preach. And he started using me in there. Oh, that's lot. so cool. That's so cool. Well, we're getting down to the the end of the hour. And um, I would love to have you come back because I feel like we haven't really gone through how that street justice you know, got you all the way to the point. We don't know what happened when you got arrested. Are you open to coming back? I'm open. Yeah, let me know what yeah. day we set it up. Okay, cool. Um, and so before we go, um, I would I would just love for you to to maybe share with people like 
if they if they know anyone that's kind of going down the wrong road or or how you think maybe that one Christian guy that was in your in your crash unit, like how how somebody like that might be able to have gotten through to someone like you? Um, truthfully, the best advice I can give is is whoever is walking with with Jesus already and serving Him as a police officer, your your testimony, your example, the way you, you carry yourself is going to help other people. Um, be attracted to you what you have yes because a lot of people do need help they just don't know who to go to they're scared to open up and tell somebody what they're going through and it's more like a fear and shame to admit that we need there's something going on inside me need help or also yeah. trusting somebody trusting somebody's big you have to be able to trust that person the big big key things as as response police officers military is having somebody you could trust to open up to being that person that you could be trusted yeah. Don't don't be judgmental. <laughs> no, but, that's the worst. That's the worst. That's like that's, to me the worst kind of Christian um, is the ones that are judgmental and like, oh, you're missing it. They're supposed to be it. the judgment comes with love. Um, yes. So I agree with Charnel that there should be maybe some sort of call to action for people to pray for that that hellish eight mile space. Can you tell us exactly what towns or what town that is or what blocks that is so that anyone who just would love to pray over that area can begin to do so? It's uh, Alvarado Street, Sunset, um, Wilshire Boulevard, all those areas, MacArthur Park area. It's um, west of downtown LA. It's called the Rampart okay. District, Rampart Division area. Okay, Rampart. Rampart. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Would you mind saying a prayer to close us out? Unless, Charnel, do you have any questions for him? No, that's, I mean, I'm excited to have you back. And thank you so much for your time. It's just been amazing. So much new information. And great. like, thank you. Just thank you. And, Ruben, where do people well, we, find looking you? Looking forward to getting together. Yeah. Where, uh, where right do people now, find you? My... I have an email address right now. It's uh, Ruben uh, at brethrenmma.com. Brethrenmma.com. Mma.com. And my friend Mac, who's out of jail, I invited him also to be on here with us today, and he couldn't be here. So okay. hopefully the next one, I'll make sure we schedule so that he can get in on the conversation too. It'll be fun. Sounds good. I'll be looking forward Ruben. to it. Okay, so then we'll end in prayer. Okay, Father, thank you for this opportunity for us to fellowship, also share our, our ideas, your, your your knowledge you've given us, and also team up to do those uh, prayers, Father, for the communities uh, in Rampart and other divisions, Father, because the departments need a lot of help. We need a bridge so that the communities and, and police officers can work with each other, trust each other, and there could be healing, Father. We need healing. And thank you for my sisters here as you bless them and use them to keep them safe and protected. Every one of us here from Osik and our families. And thank you for your angels and camp around all of us. And thank you for coming with the blood of your son. We praise you and thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much. And then, um, Charnel, I forgot. Um, I need to let you tell everybody where they can find you as well. Oh, okay. Um, I'm at Swift Fire um, Ministries International. Swiftfire.org. Swift as in quickfire.org and my resources there, my teachings, all my books, classes. Um, I'm a naturopath and 
minister. I have podcasts. You guys can find me. Just Google my name and <laughs> she's Google, everywhere. Google Swiftfire. And yeah. she's on Twitter too. I'm on Twitter, um, YouTube, Facebook, all the things. Just Dr. Sharnow. Yeah. It's a good thing cool. about your name. And you could you give him my number too. Awesome. I okay, got I it. will. I yeah. will. Yeah, because okay. you guys want to set up something on her channel. Thank okay. So Bye, everybody. Have good. a great weekend. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you. Too. Thank Bye. you. Okay. Thank Bye. you, Ruben. Bye.